always depended on the kindness of strangers. All right, so he's not a regular rat, or, or even a super rat. He's a scared little mouse, that's all. Welcome to the first episode of the second season of The Real Woman, a podcast about all things cinematic. I'm really excited about this uh, first guest today. She is my good friend who I've been trying to get on for a while and we finally worked it out. Her name is Ramona Dandridge. Hello, Ramona. Hello. <laughs> so excited to be here. <laughs> and, um, Ramona is, uh, well, Ramona, tell us a little bit, bit about yourself. I don't know why I'm looking into the, the abyss like there's an audience. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just me and you. Uh, My name is Ramona. I own a vintage store called Flossie's Suitcase. Uh, I've had it for seven years, five years on brick and mortar, and two years online. And uh, so you're... Vintage, vintage clothing, accessories, hats, yes. and jewelry. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, so, so how long have you been into vintage clothing? Uh, actually, me and my mother just had this discussion the other day because she asked me the same question. I would say ever since my grandmother opened up her jewelry box and let me look into her closet and try on her 20-something inch waist clothes, which I could fit at the time because I probably was like this, Seven, <laughs> right, right. But, uh, yeah, so that was my introduction to vintage, like her jewelry box of her clothing, which was amazing, just amazing. She was the wife of a psychologist, so she had like a psychiatrist. I'm sorry, so she had like you know, evening clothes. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, well, the topic of this episode is uh, Hollywood fashion icons, and how they have influenced, if they have, and how they have influenced what we wear today, even. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to be talking about three movies. The first movie is, going chronologically, is Breakfast at Tiffany's, yes. which uh, stars Audrey Hepburn and George Pappard, and is just briefly... If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend that you see it. Um, it is directed by Blake Edwards, and it is based on the Truman Capote short story. Uh, it's not really a short story, but Truman Capote's story. Um, that is, it doesn't take, you know, a lot of people had issues with the movie because it's not like the book, but it definitely, but it has the essence. It, she's a... She's an escort, high paid, high paid high escort, paid. and uh, not a call girl, no, not a no, high paid escort, which is entirely different. And uh, I'm silent on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. and it's and it's you know her life in in New York, mm -hmm. uh, and the men that she comes in contact with, and that is a very 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 compact brief. Yes. Uh, description of that, but it's a wonderful movie. The second movie is uh, Mahogany from 1975, yes. starring Diana Ross, uh, directed by Barry Gordy, and it is um, a little, in it's interesting in that it's not necessarily a good movie. No, it's kind of from a feminist point of view, it's kind of horrible. It really is. It's really horrible. I mean, Those are amazing. The storyline is kind of horrible. She's a, Diana Ross plays Tracy Chambers. Um, and I should say briefly, just going back, uh, uh, Audrey Hepburn's character in Breakfast at Tiffany's is the iconic Holly Golightly. So, Mahogany, uh, Diana Ross plays Tracy Chambers. She works as a secretary in a department store in Chicago, and she's discovered by a photographer who is played by uh, 
I was about to say Norman Bates, played by <laughs> Anthony Perkins, who most people know from Psycho as Norman Bates. Mm -hmm. uh, and he basically convinces her that if she comes back to Rome with him and is his model, that she, he can make her big and she can get her design store off the, off the you know, up and running. Because that's really what she wants to be as a costume designer. Yeah. As a fashion, fashion designer. designer. Yeah. And and, you know, and that kind of has a little bit of a call girl situation. In it does. The sugar daddy. Yeah. Yes, yes. There's Why? a bit of a that. Yes. And and so she goes. She's a sensation. She she uh, you know, does her thing. And then the extremely not feminist part is she based at the end. Spoiler. Um. She basically says, oh, I can't do it, and runs back to Chicago to be with her husband, to be with her Billy, Billy D. Williams, Williams uh, to be with her boyfriend. Who basically, you know, it's like, it's going to be all about me, and I know that you had this wonderful idea to be a fashion designer and do your thing. But it's not really serious. You are your idea. I'm going to be a politician and be great. And right. be my wife. Right. Yeah. But what is, and well, we'll get into that later. Right, but right, right, right. The, the final movie is... Harlem Nights, yes. which is also not considered a great movie by no. any stretch, no. but visually stunning. Iconic. The, the, the clothing, which is, um, and I was telling Ramona earlier, I had conflated it with the Cotton Club because I had not, it had been many years since I had seen it, but it is not, <clears throat> not set in the 20s. Mm -hmm. It's actually set in the 30s. And so, and that's basically, um, it has a little bit of the Sting DNA in it. Uh, it's basically uh, stars Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, um, Jasmine Guy, and it's a it's a who's who of of yeah. of, of black actors mm -hmm. of the, in the '90s. Late, I guess I think it was '89. It came out, mm -hmm. and um, it's about a. Richard Pryor owns a like a casino, basically a, a a night hall, nightclub place, and they get um, the squeeze put on them by the mob, and they <coughs> the squeeze, and they and they and they cut. Well, I'm trying to use vintage language, right. and they come up with a plan to to take over Calhoun's empire, take over the empire, and skip town and. Uh, a whole bunch of hijinks ensue, but the closing. Uh, yes. So, with that in mind, let's jump into the first movie, which is Breakfast at Tiffany's mm -hmm. and Audrey Hepburn. I love her. So, what? Now you chose these movies. Yeah. So, what is it about uh, Audrey Hepburn and specifically in Breakfast at Tiffany's that was so? Uh, iconic and, and has an influence even into today. I think because the lines and the structure of the clothing were very classic, very, I don't want to say simple, but very, very classic. Like she was running around in a very scatterbrained kind of way, but being incredibly, fabulously dressed in New York, doing ridiculous things, being fabulous. Which is kind of the, living the dream. Of the dream. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. And like the, the little black dress, just, you know, from that movie has gone on to carry on into 2019. Everybody talks about owning their, oh, my favorite little black dress, oh, my little black dress, blah, 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 blah. So, and yeah. I hadn't realized, I don't know why, maybe I just hadn't thought about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that the little black dress. Right was from that movie mm -hmm. that that started that the started little the little black, black dress, dress. Yeah. Uh, iconic and so everyone knows the well if you don't you should the 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 most iconic outfit is the, the black gown that she wears in the very beginning yes which can i talk to you as a new yorker yes i used to live in new york and you're from new york yes i've always been baffled by that opening scene where she is walking, what is it, down Fifth Avenue or yes. 57th, and there's nobody outside of New York. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you are New York, if you've been to New York, you know that that is not yeah. something 
that yeah. happened. Yeah. But I heard somewhere where they were like, oh, you know, the gods just decided that day that there was not going to be anybody outside and we got our shot. I mean, it was shot at like 5 a.m. I know, but still, but still in New York, there are people outside. Going, there's going to work. Nobody walking yeah. past her. I, I'm sure. I, you know, there have to be, um, they had to have put up barricades something. somewhere because you There's don't no, get that. Not in New York. No. Like at all. No. no. You don't even get that really in, in Detroit at 5 no. a.m. No, 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 no. So, no. yeah, that was, that was, uh, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. But that dress, which, and I'm going to backtrack a little bit because uh, the designer of that dress and for all of her clothing in Breakfast at Tiffany's was... Givenchy. Givenchy. Hubert de Givenchy. Hubert Givenchy. Um, and he had actually, her, their connection started with Sabrina. Mm -hmm. um, and we were just actually talking about this before I hit record, about how, um, you know, Edith Head actually designed her clothes mm -hmm. for her sort of like, quote unquote, ugly duckling. Yeah stage which in the movie in yeah. the movie yeah. in, in in Sabrina and that Givenchy and this is a funny story she part of Sabrina is she comes become goes from being a little a young woman mm -hmm. into exactly and but along with that is there's clearly an implied sexuality mm -hmm. that she has grown into it deflowered but this was still the 50s and that the Hayes code was not going to allow them deflowering to sh exactly <laughs> so the flower on the movies in the 1950s <laughs> nobody wanted to see that well I'm gonna say nobody wanted to see okay. it but they weren't gonna let they it hang let, let us happen Paramount was like no deflowering on our lots <laughs> so they decided, well, rather, Billy Wilder had the idea to show it through clothes. Mm -hmm. And uh, Paramount, of course, was not going to pay for Audrey to have a whole French couture right, wardrobe. wardrobe. That's right. just ridiculous. Right. So Wilder sent her to Paris on her own to the Givenchy Atelier mm -hmm. to basically go shop 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 for herself uh which you know for audrey exactly 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 and uh she so she arrives at the atelier and Givenchy had been told that miss hepburn was arriving mm -hmm. and when she arrived he was taken aback because he was expecting katherine hepburn Catherine. Not this little Audrey girl. And had no idea who she was. And she basically begged him mm -hmm. to let her, you know, buy some stuff. And he, like, put her in the back room, which now sounds like a fantasy. Right. Just, just <laughs> go. I would love to go in the back room of Lucy's showroom. Oh, my God. And yes. said, just, like, take what you want. From, like, past collections. Who cares? Just take it. You're just little Audrey. You're not big Audrey. Exactly. Exactly. So, little so did he know. <laughs> little did he know, she had been given a um, production. The production had given her a list of clothes, like a French day dress, some French hats, uh, and she basically threw that list out the window and did her own thing. And it's Audrey Hepburn like that. Exactly, and knew what looked good on her, and she got the white, the iconic white which turban. Which started me, which started my love of turbans, was that turban. And the black suit, she mm -hmm. got a black suit, or she got a gray suit and a black dress, and the fabulous gown that she wears that I've always loved. The black and white gown. Yes, yeah. it's a white gown with uh, a white strapless gown with black floral design. And so that was how she and uh, Givenchy got started. Got started. And then they basically were, they were lifelong friends and they worked together again on Breakfast at Tiffany's. So is there, um, are there other outfits from Breakfast at Tiffany's other than the dress that you feel have, um, you know, 
lives on into today. Everything. For, uh, God, I'm going through my head. The white shirt that she wears with like the little earplugs. The white men's shirt. The white men's shirt, the white men's tuxedo shirt that she wears. As a nightgown. As a nightgown, right, right, right. Would and you still see in movies too? see people wearing that. And I wear that, you know, I have an ex-boyfriend shirt that I wear just because it looks good on me. Um, and, and it's a white button-up shirt. And it's, you know, it's easy. Yeah. The sleeve mask that, that she has, there are people on Etsy that have recreated that and are selling it. Really? I got one for Christmas a couple of years ago. And um, I ended up finding the person that created it. And then I ordered some and I sold them in my store. So people are fascinated by that. People did look like her little earplugs that she Which wore. the first time I saw the movie, apparently I was an idiot. I thought those were earrings. Like I didn't realize yeah, what I was looking at. Because who sleeps an earring that fabulous? They're like, Holly go. Holly I thought, yeah, no, I somehow thought they were earrings, and then I, I guess on repeated viewings, I was like, oh. Which was fascinating to me because she has a cat. Cats are fascinated by anything that hangs, and I don't understand how yes. she had a cat and slept in earrings that fabulous without them pulling them out of her ear. So I was always fascinated by that, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, and there are a lot of different things. The hat that she has on, um, when she goes to see... Um, Oh, the, the, the mobster in, in jail. jail to ask about the weather report. And I, did I read that that's was it a lampshade hat? Well, I don't know what kind of hat that was. I think it's called a lampshade hat. It is yeah. a lampshade yeah. hat with because it kind of looks like a lampshade right. Right. with a big white bow. Yeah, with on it. ginormous sunglasses. Yes, which I noticed recently. Again, it's like. You know, when you watch a movie that you love, you just sort of enjoy what you enjoy, and you don't I would, always. I always look at the clothes. Well, you don't, but, but I do too. But there are details that you don't always pick up. You know, uh, even mm -hmm. on repeated viewings. And I noticed that the shades that that she wears with that dress are actually brown. brown. Yeah. And which I thought was kind of revolutionary because I always think black. You black, have to wear black. black. And she wears brown. She wears brown. Go That's what I'm saying. She woke up that day. She had to go talk to him about the weather report. She had this fabulous dress that I think that was found on the floor underneath her bed. Yeah. And then she throws on a hat and these fabulous shades and goes outside and whistles for a cab and is like immaculately dressed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. She had to be a, a high end escort. Nobody, you know on that budget with a low-end escort. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. it was amazing. Amazing. Um, and I liked, I mean, it's like even the uh, sort of everyday clothes that she wears yeah. are... We were talking about when they, was, when they sold the masks at the store. Yes. Like her little cigarette pants and, yeah. Yeah, just that's what I'm saying. And we're classic and simple. But were people like were women like not dressing like that before this movie? I guess this was '62. I have photographs of my grandmother in cigarette pants and like cute little sweaters with the cigarette holders because everybody was smoking. Nobody understood yeah. about cancer back then. Everybody just had a cigarette. So I mean, I don't know. So when was that picture taken? Would you say? Probably in the sixties, but like post breakfast at Tiffany's. I'm trying to think if that's what it was. It may have been. It may have been before. Like I'm sure women were wearing it, but then once Audrey did it on breakfast at breakfast at Tiffany's, everybody was really doing it. Right. So yeah. And and even from not just the clothes, but even her hairstyle. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's you know Gloria Steinem is famous for having seen. Breakfast at Tiffany's and getting the, doing the streak the in streak her in hair. hair. Um, With the little bang. Yes, yeah. yes. So, um, one of my favorite outfits, and I'm being very, you know, this is just because probably the way I dress, is when she sings Moon River. Outside and she's the shirt, the white shirt. The, no, she's in the gray sweatshirt. With the towel on her head. Yes, yeah. and the jeans. Mm -hmm. And but again, it was simple. It was simple. But and it was I, classic. And you know what it made me, you know, because I'm an 80s child, so 
uh, often my movie references are from the 80s. And I, when I saw the image recently, I thought of um, Flashdance. I have a Flashdance story. Yeah. I see how you that gray sweatshirt. It, it was just sort of, you know, yeah. they cut it. They cut yeah. it to make yeah. it '80s, but it was the same. That I'm gonna tell the story really quickly, because I was debating on whether or not if I was gonna use this movie, but it was just that sweatshirt that came from that movie. Mm -hmm. It was the '80s, and I decided that I wanted a Flashdance sweatshirt. I went with a group of friends. I snuck. I went to Layton's. I don't know how many of you in Detroit remember the store Layton's. I got, it was one of two sweatshirts left. It was a lime green one or a brown one. I got the lime green one. I was so excited because I finally got something that a character from a movie that I liked was wearing. I came home, I put it on, I walked past my dad who was, because my parents were separated, he was at the house, for, I don't know what he was at the house for that day, but he stopped me and said, come here. And I was like, why? What's going on? I'm making a fashion statement. He's like, you are not making a fashion statement with that torn sweatshirt, leaving my house with your shoulders exposed. <laughs> I must have been, I don't, even, I don't know how old I was, but apparently it was a big deal to have my shoulders exposed. I had to go upstairs and take the sweatshirt. <gasps> no. Yes. I was devastated. Oh no! And I like, had to keep it like in my drawer for like a couple of months before I could try to sneak out and wear it again. <laughs> but that's my flash dance story. I, I was I was so excited because I never got to wear anything that people from movies got to wear because my parents were like crazy strict about my dress code. And the one time I found something, he was like, mm -mm, "Not today, sister." Yeah. He <laughs> broke my heart. <laughs> So that's my flash dance story. I, I, but, yeah. And not that anyone can see this, but actually the sweatshirt that I'm wearing today yeah. is is an homage to that. To too. And I if the top was cut off, it would just be perfect. It really would. Yeah, yeah. And so and so even into today, um, uh, Audrey Hepburn sweatshirt, sweatshirt via right. via flash, flash dance. <laughs> it still lives on because it was classic. It, and classic. that's and that's what I think you know, you really get from Breakfast at Tiffany's mm -hmm. is, is a classic uh, look. And what I think is interesting is, you know, she's coming out at a time when you have, it's interesting, it's just how, you know, social mores go. The bombshells were Marilyn Monroe and Elizabeth Taylor. Mm -hmm. And, but most average women, we're not going to, look yeah. like Marilyn Monroe or Elizabeth Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. And Audrey was sort of seen as someone who was more accessible. Mm -hmm. she, like she wasn't, you know, she just didn't, she just seemed like someone, oh, I could, I could attain that. I could, you know, I can do something like that. And, but that was the 50s. Now you fast forward, you realize she was sort of a prototype for Kate Moss yeah. and the and the sort of heroine chic of the 90s. Yeah. And now I can imagine women looking at Audrey Hepburn and saying, oh my God, I could never look like that. Right. Like she's sort of become, yeah. she sort of supplanted right. that yeah. and become, you know, the girl had a 20 inch waist. I mean, that's just not. No, it's not. When I had my store, we used to have um, around the anniversary uh, that I opened my store, like October, 11th or something like that we would always have a breakfast at Tiffany's gathering and it would be amazing to me how many women would show up in their little black dresses with lampshade hats and ginormous sunglasses or cigarette holders and pearls and so the fact that a lot of women relate to that look is is also wonderful for Breakfast at Tiffany's as well, as as far as being like a fashion iconic movie. And and do you think I've, I I agree, yeah. but I would also add I feel like it's the character as mm -hmm. well that Holly Golightly is just seen as such a free spirit. Very, yeah. You know, and 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 
you know, her whole, you don't, we don't, no one belongs to anyone else. Oh, me, I don't own, own you. you. I'm going to let the cat go. Oh my God, cat, you don't belong to me and I don't belong to you. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I, I think it was a very, it's interesting because in a way, Breakfast at Tiffany's, even though it's like, you know, 15 years before Mahogany, is actually much more progressive mm -hmm. in terms of women and, and, and doing their own thing. Doing their Exactly. Um, going out the bathroom window and somebody's <laughs> knocking on the door. She's like, I don't want to deal with him. I'm going to go out the bathroom window. No. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think someone did in like an episode of, yeah. you know, 25 different yeah, TV yeah, yeah. shows. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. climbed out the bathroom window. Um, I wonder, did, uh, I don't know why, it just popped in my head that Beatles song, which she came in through the bathroom window. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if that was how go lightly. No, but it's you know right. it's interesting. Right. Right. Um, but no, I love I, I do I love the character of Holly Go Lightly, and I love the movie, and I think it's I think it's testament to Audrey. Yeah, really, because they had wanted well, no, Truman Capote had wanted Marilyn Monroe. Now let's take a moment and, and stop. And think about how that movie would have been with Marilyn Monroe in that role. Do you think with what they were trying to convey, because I've read the book, so I know what he was trying to do mm -hmm. with trying to translate the book to the movie. I know what he was trying to do. But as far as like what they were trying to achieve Fashion-wise and costume-wise, how iconic would be if Marilyn was in that role? They would have to do it a completely different way. Well, it wouldn't have been Givenchy no, who designed been, her, and, and she certainly. I mean, you know, if you think of Marilyn Monroe, she certainly has iconic outfits. I mean, right? Gentlemen prefer blondes. Yeah. The blonde, the the pink dress, rather. Yeah. Um, so it's not like she's incapable of doing that as far as like how Audrey's the 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 classicness yes. of the look, they would have had to go a completely different way because it would have been a completely different type of character. Yes, and I think yeah. it would have been, you know, I I don't know, I feel like the fact that Audrey Hepburn had, you know, had a much more well she did not have the figure of Marilyn Monroe yeah, yeah. I think it was a little easier yeah. in a way to hide what she did yeah if that's makes any sense they're in a sexual what people if you're curvy oh my god you're perceived as somebody who's like promiscuous and yeah but I, you have this up and down straight girl who yeah are like oh you know she's not as voluptuous so she has a sort of really be going on too much she has a sort of in a innocence to too her yeah. with, with her big eyes and, yeah, yeah you just sort of think she can't be doing anything too terrible Ooh. whereas Marilyn I feel like people kind she of assume even if she, she was not right yeah. even if she wasn't doing anything right she just sort of exuded sex right. and I think that the the Escort, not a prostitute. Right. Uh, character would have been much more obvious right. with right. Marilyn. Yeah. Um, uh, I, you know, and it probably would have been I don't know, maybe Edith Head dressing yeah. her. I don't. But uh, but no, that's that's it's definitely. <laughs> and I don't want the curvy girls to be mad at me. I'm just saying. no. That's that's what you know. No, in that particular right. movie, that's what she ate with. Yeah. Yeah, and I and think I'm saying that that's right because that's wrong. And I would, I, I honestly, in a parallel universe, I'd like to see that Marilyn movie just to see, to see what, it would what like. that would be yeah. like. I'm kind of like playing it in my head now, and I don't. I think it would be different, but I also feel like with how they were having Marilyn play in a lot of films where she was this soft spoken and I don't know what you're talking about type of yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas Holly Go Lightly, while you know she was rather uh, impish, yeah. she was still, you know, she still had this strength about her 
and this independence about her yes. that I don't know with how they were trying to portray Mar Marilyn if it would have like you know worked out the same way. So and I, it would have been, it would have been. Um, so moving on, do we have any final thoughts on on Breakfast at Tiffany's and the the icon that is Audrey Hepburn? Oh no, I could talk about Audrey forever. I actually I just got a cat and I named her Audrey. <laughs> so yes. I, I love Audrey. When I was a child, I used to think my grandmother was Audrey Hepburn, so I just have like a, a special place in my heart for Audrey Hepburn. So I can talk about her for hours. And, and it's the Tiffany's for hours. And it's interesting because she was considered tall. She was five seven, exactly. which yeah. is not short, yeah. but it's but it's by no means tall. So she wore flats. And she wore flats yeah. all the time because she was so tall at five With a seven. Twenty inch waist. And and you know I feel like it should it's. It should be noted for, for if there are any women out there who think, oh, I could never attain Audrey Hepburn's size. No, you couldn't because her size was a result of yeah. starvation, yeah, like straight up starvation. Yeah. She was not trying to get that body. Yeah. You get that body by not having any food. Yeah. At all not to eat. It's not like she wasn't anorexic. No. Like her past from World War II. And yeah. Yes. She did have a, a really beautiful yeah situation. No, she she was straight up like malnourished yeah. and had um, a number of health issues that that followed her into her you know that she never let never didn't have you know she had anemia she had a list of things that were wrong with her because she starved for years yeah. so and then they were saying you know once she actually had food that her body it was like her body just never really got used to having food yeah um so but then again also not to you know take away from that back then their eating habits were completely different oh yes they were not like, eating super sized fast food Yes, yeah. they their yeah. their their food wasn't sprayed with no. everything. That who knows did. what? Right. And yes, it was yeah. better food. It wasn't. Yes, definitely. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, moving on from the delightful Audrey Hepburn, yeah. uh, we're gonna move into our next movie, which is Mahogany. But isn't it if you but if you change it a little enough, doesn't it like no. you know? <laughs> um Mahogany is Diana Ross mm -hmm. uh, and it's nineteen seventy-five. Mm -hmm. And tell me why you chose this particular movie. I remember being after my mind was blown from Breakfast at Tiffany's. And how old were you when you first saw Breakfast at Tiffany's? Just jumping back a little bit. I don't know. It's been that long. It was, it was, I was younger than 10. Okay. I think. Okay. Um, and then Mahogany, I can't remember how old I was. I might have been like, I, I can't remember. But to see a black woman in a film in a major role where her clothing was insane just um to be honest like as a grown-up i know the story of mahogany but if you would have asked me what the movie of mahogany was about when i was younger i probably just would have said the fascinating clothes and the scary car ride where she's in the car with him and she's like taking it like i remember yeah. that but aside from that the movie the plot i did not care about it was this fabulous african-american woman who was in this major role wearing these amazing clothes. And, and you know, culturally, Mahogany comes out at a time where uh, African-American designers and models, mm -hmm. sort of the first wave, are coming up. Like you, have, you have Beverly Johnson, Beverly Johnson. and Iman yeah. are, are starting out. Mm -hmm. You got Will Smith, mm -hmm. uh, not not Man in Black, Willie Smith, Willie Smith Willie the designer. Tiffy Smith's brother. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but you have Studio Fifty Four. You have, yeah. you know, black. So it was not like a black supermodel. That's strange. Right. It was cut. You know, they hit, they hit the zeitgeist. Yeah. 
of the time with these emerging uh, black designers yeah. and models. Yeah, uh, but it was possible that this was happening. So it wasn't unusual that it was actually like happening. So, but but at the same time, you might be aware of it if you're in New York, Chicago, LA, right. Detroit, but right. you know Europe. But you're very easily not aware of it if you're not living in a major metropolitan right, area. Right, right. Chambers had to go to Rome. Had to leave her. Yeah. That's why she had to leave Chicago and go to Rome and be amazing. Josephine Baker had to leave and go to France. I mean, and I think it's interesting if if that movie were made now. Would it have the same story? No, 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 no. I, they would definitely have to change it. But, but would she have to go to Rome? Would she just go to New York? It was taking place in 2019. Yeah. No, she would just go to New York. She would have to go to Rome. And Billy Dee Williams would have to, his character would have to, like, you know. Put up or shut up. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go to Rome because I want to go to Rome. You're not going to tell me I can't go. Yeah. Because yeah. I need to support your career. Yeah. Like, and no, she it's... left. She did. They had that great big argument. And I think it was like her hotel room or something. And she cussed him out. And she went to Rome. And she and, and who who would you cast as mahogany today? I don't know any of these young actresses. Like I'm so old. <laughs> like, so, well, I was I thinking like Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, no. Or like a Tessa Thompson. Oh. This is gonna be weird. Well, not Rihanna. Why? Well, I feel like Rihanna could kind of do it a little bit. Well, I'm, she has the look. I'm not saying she, she has does. The sass I, too. I, I just know, don't I know how good of an actor she is. I don't know. I well, she's she'd certainly be as good she, as Diana Ross. Talking about Ross, love, love, love Diana. Um, she, you know, she did that film with um, what's his name for Coachella? I can't think of what it was called. But her acting skills weren't that bad. But you know, I think she could do it. Maybe, get, yeah, I think she could probably do it. I would say Rihanna. That's gonna be my decision now. Ask me in a couple of days. <laughs> um, so the clothes in Mahogany, and you know, one of the things I do think is the title of the movie comes from yeah. <laughs> the, the, the fact that the photographer, Tony Perkins, Tony Perkins not Norman Bates, right. um, although he's kind of creepy in this movie too. He's so, really creepy. So that the sort of carries. The thing messed me up. Um, he, like, yeah, he names her Mahogany. Because he'd like to name all of his models after inanimate objects. Which, that are what? Like, what? Again. What? Somebody just going to name you. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, I will name you there's like all so many levels of wrong it with that. Wrong, so wrong. So wrong. And she's mahogany like what? Like wood? Because why not I, oak? I, 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 read, <laughs> I was getting ready to say that. I read somewhere why? Because mahogany was like rich in color and was oh god rare or something but yeah i know i know my my face exactly like how are you just gonna rename somebody because you bought her to rome and you have the right to rename her that's like you know you just can't be renaming women like you just can't do that <laughs> i mean i don't know but again it was about the clothes not the storyline yeah i i i yeah. and so let's talk about the clothes. Yes. She is in some fabulous. Who's the. She's named. When you look up on IMDb, and Diana Ross is named as the costume, costume designer. designer. Yeah. We had a small discussion about this because there were, I do believe, she designed 50 outfits and it took her eight months. She held up production. Because she's not a fashion designer. Fashion designer. I mean, I'm sure she had good ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw some of the sketches that were done online um, for the costumes that were some of the costumes that were used. But then again, I don't know. Some of them she signed her name on. 
but I don't know if she actually sketched them. Right. But, yeah. And so she's listed as the costume designer, but we don't know what she actually created. And that actually made it into the movie. movie. Yeah. Most of the clothes are... I've heard Bob Mackie. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I believe Bob Mackie. Because around that time, I mean, he was a man, he was designing stuff for Cher, like her stuff. He's kind of like Bob... I feel like in the 70s, it was like Bob Mackie and Halston. Right. I met Bob Mackie. He was the... You did not. No, I did. In Pittsburgh, when I lived in Pittsburgh, he did a signing. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. And he saw me, and he thought that my skin was amazing. And we had the nicest conversation, and I was just like, oh my God, he's amazing. If he was not gay, I just would, oh my God. He was just like the nicest guy. So but nice. seriously, how many times in our lives have we said that? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> if he wasn't gay. He wasn't gay. But yeah, he was, he's just amazing and bubbly and just. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, he was cool. Um, Wow, I'm sure he loved you. He was like, if you were a model, I would work with you. I was like, oh, how can you make that happen? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. That's a that's a dream. I have to find that picture that he autographed. Um, but so there's, a, there's and there are actually some, again, this was a movie that I had seen when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it a couple times, but I hadn't seen it recently. There are some iconic outfits in that movie. Yeah. The Bob Mackie, the, there are three that I know are Bob Mackie. One is sort of like a peach orangey color kind of Japanese yeah the one that she okay the, when she walked out on the runway when she designed it herself yes and there was like that's when she met the sugar daddy guy yes who again rescued her from whatever but uh I never understood why nobody liked I like that gown nobody clapped but I guess because before the room of people that were there they've they come to see another right. type of collection they weren't looking for that I was all over I would have Wore the mess out of that dress. Yes. The hair pieces, the hair piece and everything. Yes. Yeah. So there's that dress. Then there's the purple dress with, with like a fur, feather. like yeah. a fur muff yeah. thing that she has. Feathers. Feathers. Sorry. Not feathers. Yes. Um, again, a turban. A turban yes. is always the way. Which probably come. came from uh, uh, Sabrina, actually. Sabrina, see? Uh, how fashion goes on. Exactly. Yeah. And the rainbow. The rainbow dress, which I, was actually my personal favorite. Really? I, I like love the that dress. one. I love the dress that. Um... Well, she just looks like a big pride flag. She, <laughs> she just. Doesn't she? The boys probably like the best I'm sure they did. Uh, and I did see a fashion show, now that you say that, with a, um, with a drag queen that wore that dress. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I'm that off base. Of course, the boys, the boys, what? The boys love Miss Ross. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Getting back briefly to the designers, it's interesting because even though uh, Diana Ross is the only one listed as the costume designer. There were actually quite a few people. We already mentioned Bob Mackie, mm-hmm. that he's he, he designed some of the iconic dresses. Um, but then also Princess Irene uh, Galizana, uh, Galizine, and I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. She was a, a haute couturière who added um, additional outfits to the to the movie yeah. and then Diana and then Diana Ross actually had um, a sort of fashion consultant mm-hmm. uh, named Susan Gertzman who had been the daughter of a California clothing manufacturer so you have she had help she had a team she had she totally had a glam squad right. um, now she is a model in this movie for a good chunk of the movie. Mm-hmm. She's not a model. No, she's Diana Ross. She's Diana Ross. Yes. So she was coached yes. by who? Pat Cleveland, who is a one of the top first or one of the top first African American fashion models, along with um, Naomi Sims and Luna, who were considered 
top top fashion models back then. And and Pat Cleveland and she's still around today, and she's amazing. I think her daughter models Anna. I think her daughter's name is Anna. And she just walked in a in Bellish. Fashion Week. Yeah, she did. She's 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 still doing it. She's still amazing. She kind of looks the same, which is crazy. Cause yeah. Um. Well, she was brought on to the movie because the, this is the connection. Anthony Perkins mm -hmm. was married to a woman. Uh, named Barry Berenson, who was a fashion photographer. Yes. And her sister was Marissa Berenson, who was a top model. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of in that world. Yeah. And so he had connection uh, to and Pat Cleveland. Uh, to Pat Cleveland and her fantastic modelness. Yes, and yeah. she coached her in the the walking, the walking of the of the catwalk and how to hold yourself and yeah. Uh, so I just, you know, it's interesting how sort of meta, and I believe she's actually in the movie as well. Pat Cleveland yeah, appears in the movie. Um, on uh, one of the runway walks or something. Yeah. I think she is in the movie, yeah. Uh, she's one of the women doing the doing the walk. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Again, icon. Uh, icon. Icon. Um, so do you have, what's your favorite outfit from this movie? What do you think is the most, is there, is there like Breakfast at Tiffany's like one or two that are the most iconic or is it just sort of the look of the whole thing? I will say there are a few things. There's a mink vest that she wears when she is not being not so nice to the people who are creating her clothing line. Oh, she's awful. She's, she's horrible. Yeah. Um, She's wearing a mink vest in the scene. My friend Kim has a mink vest that kind of, I'm not going to say it was created to look like that, but it kind of looks like that. Yeah. So a lot of, like the flow of the rainbow gown, mm -hmm. there's a lot of dresses that I've seen that are cut like that now. She wore like, I think like a pink or blue wig or something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or purple. Or purple. Yeah. And now what colors everybody's hair. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's a lot of stuff from mahogany as far as like silhouettes and shapes that a lot of people are like capes. People are starting to wear capes again mm -hmm. and wide brim hats. So, yeah, again, like uh, Givenchy, Diana Ross and, you know, her glam squad and Bob Mackie were ahead of their time with uh, with the outfits for, for mahogany. And speaking of capes, you had mentioned, jumping back to Breakfast at Tiffany's briefly, um, Audrey is not the only woman who has fabulous oh, no. outfits. Patricia Neal. Paul's benefactor. Yes. yes. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Um, also that wears some... Blue cape in that movie that I just, I love that cape. And it, I think it's the scene where she comes back and he wasn't expecting her. And then like she writes him a check. Yes. And she's wearing like this amazing blue cape. So, yeah. For services For rendered. Sir, you yeah. need a stipend, darling. I know you're a yeah. writer. I'm just going to help you. Yeah. I mean, he and Holly Golightly pretty much have the same job. They pretty much do. You know, she's the female version. He's the male version of the escort. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, you don't want to... Obviously, Audrey is the, the, the fashion star of that movie, but yeah. Patricia Neal... She wears some nice... Some she nice wears some nice too. outfits yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so... Any uh, final thoughts on mahogany? Um, no. <laughs> no, no. Oh, the white. Did she? I think she wears like a white leather coat with a fur collar on it. Yes, yes, yes. When she comes through the cloud. Yes. And the cloud. The, the cloud. She just kind of come and out of a cloud. And like these ginormous hoop earrings. Which, yeah, which no one which wears no now. One. I wear. <laughs> I, I wear this all the time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Tracy Chambers, aka Diana Ross, was ahead of her time fashion-wise, and her daughter Tracy Ellis Ross, who I love, who I adore. People say that I remind them of her, of, of her, and I like it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Oh my god! But um, can you imagine growing up, being a kid, and getting to play in Diana Ross's closet? No. Like. What, where do you go from there? Do you know where you're like, going? Where you know where you're going to play in Diana Ross's closet? Like seriously, yeah, yeah. And wigs and wigs, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So no, I don't really have anything to add other than I think that it's one of the movies that touched me and helped to shape my 
my view on fashion and it's an iconic Luffy in the lane of fashion, I think, especially for African-American fashion. Um, so the third movie is Harlem Nights, which mm-hmm. comes out in 1989. Yes. And uh, tell Joe me a little... I Joe I. Tompkins, who we both looked up, he was uh, nominated actually for her for his outfits in Harlem Nights. Yeah. His costume was insane for Harlem Nights. And and tell me now, like I had said earlier, I had conflated it with um, the Cotton Club, which it is not that. Mm-hmm. It's not the twenties. It's the thirties. Mm-hmm. And for people who you know, we kind of always, flapper has become iconic, so we sort of, when we think of the 20s, we know what that means. What does it mean, though, when you say 30s? Because it's not flapper. The 30s, they kind of started to get back into, like, women having more of a waistline, but not like how it is in the 50s, where it's, like, super cinched in your waist. Like the Christian Dior. Yeah. have right. like a small waist with the exaggerated skirt and like right. the silhouette of like the really structured jacket but they were kind of going toward women having some sort of a silhouette like i told you about one of my favorite outfits from that movie mm-hmm. is when jasmine guy dominique larue walks down the steps to meet quick and she got on that lingerie set that i could not wait until i was a grown-up to buy myself some lingerie so I could walk down the stairs. I don't know who I would walk toward, but I would be wearing <laughs> feathers and my hair would be fabulous. And yeah. So we're thinking more like um, Show, Ginger a Rogers. Padding. A little yeah. padding. Um, I, when I think of Slow the 30s, dresses. I think Ginger Rogers and the feathers. Yeah, feathers. There's a lot of feathers in this movie. Yeah. She to, she's with the Mr. Calhoun. And I think it's the first time she meets uh, Eddie Murphy's character. Who directed the movie who directed also. directed the movie, who everybody just talked about. It was his directorial debut and they just like yeah. sliced him up, which is crazy because in African-American culture, Harlem Nights is, you know, we quote lines from that movie. You shot my pinky toe. Like, yes. <laughs> Della Reese is Della a hoot. She Della is a hoot Della. in that movie. And Vera. <laughs> <laughs> just got on his hose. So yeah, it's it it was a it was a great movie again for African American people to see ourselves in a major motion picture where we are classy, we are dressed well, and we are outthinking everybody. Yes. Because that's basically what happens at the end. Right, right. We don't get blown up other people get blown up yeah so in that aspect it was just a great film that came out like at the end of the 80s going into the 90s and just showcased a lot of african-american talent and uh you know it's interesting when i googled harlem nights the first thing that came up was not like imdb or any Mm -hmm. of that it was harlem night parties and, yes, and, Pinter- and Pinterest pages yeah. and the fashion, I mean. And, it, and that was, it came out in 1989 and yeah. it was 2019 when I had my brick and mortar store. Anytime a lot of people had birthday parties, they were themed Harlem night themed parties. People would have Harlem night themed cabaret nights. They were looking for, you know, particular type of dresses and coats and, you know, men wanted fedoras and that sort of thing, which is great to have people like get excited about dressing up because we have become a dressing for comfort culture. Which is, is fine. Another podcast for me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love to get dressed up. But yes. Okay. But um, so yeah, to have people excited about getting dressed up and going out and being, you know, fabulous is is a great thing, I think. And and what is it about, I mean it's interesting because when I was thinking about it, there really aren't a lot of movies set in the 30s. For black people. For black people. Uh, we're can, in a positive way. Yes. Yes. Not where like we're checking and jiving or nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, stormy yeah. weather, but still there's, yeah, that's, was that the 30s? That's the 40s. 40s, 40s okay, yeah. The 40s, sorry. It came out of my mouth too fast. But, 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 but I mean like movies that are made modern movies i'm thinking movies mm-hmm. from like the late 70s to now 
not a lot of them are set in the 30s. A lot are set in the 20s. 20s. Or the 50s. Or the 50s. But not the 30s. That coat, that white coat. I just want everybody who listens to this podcast. If you find the cream coat that Eddie Murphy has on in this film. And look at the structure of that coat. I've been trying to find a coat like that for years. That coat is beautiful. It's got pleats in the back. There's like a belt. It's this beautiful cream cashmere coat with this like shawl. It's a beautiful coat. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I, everyone in this movie is well, well dressed. Is yeah. looks beautiful. Yeah, that's why I like it. And and I think that was it just like I'm just thinking why, you know, why this movie? I mean, certainly there have been movies with predominantly all black cast from different eras that have come out. How is it that this... I think this... it was just also the cast had a lot to do with it. You had Red Fox, you had um, Richard Pryor, you had um, uh, a, a lot of people who... Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall. Yeah. Uh, what is the young woman's name? She played Jenny on the Jefferson. She was um, Richard Pryor's wife, Sugar Ray. That was his name in the film. His wife. She was in it. It was just like yes, yes. Bella Reese. It, there were a lot of iconic African American actors. And who, and who plays, I have to look up, but who plays Lady Heroin? Oh, uh, ah, Layla. Rashawn? Yes. Layla Rashawn? Yes. Yeah, yes. she's beautiful. Her clothing is ridiculously beautiful. Yeah. Like every, everything that everybody wore in this film, more or less, was just stunning and very well put together. So I think that's why this film has lasted so long because people are looking for an excuse to dress up and do something and represent something that represents black culture and, and just be fabulous. And and so when did you did you see it when it first came out? Eighty mm-hmm. nine. Mm-hmm. You you were uh, clearly I'm out the drops. Oh my god! I want everything that Jasmine guy's wearing. Her dressing room. I can tell you how it's set up. I wanted her bedroom. The bedroom that I have now is a cross between her bedroom in Harlem Nights and um Maine's bedroom okay. <laughs> like it's yeah, fabulous it vintage and I just I love her dressing tape I just loved everything about it and you know it's interesting I wonder if it's a movie that um would be received like we came out of you know when we saw it, we knew Jasmine Guy from a different mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. so we all like we knew everyone who was in that movie right um, I don't even know if is a different world still on. I think yeah, it's on. Like, like, do people yeah. do do millennials well, know? So actually, this is funny. When I had my store, I had a lot of customers, a lot of young African American customers who were graduating from high school, who were attracted to a different world because they were black children. They were going to college, they were educated, and they had some sort of like friendship base, and they were Mm -hmm. really, really fascinated by that. So they would come into the store looking for vintage HBCU sweatshirts. Uh They would come to the store looking for things that like Whitley Gilbert would have worn. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't even looking at that, looking for that when when I was watching it. Denise was my hero from the past. Yes. And then Whitley Gilbert, which a lot of people in my family say that I act like Willie Gilbert and Willie Gilbert and uh, Tracy Ellis Ross combined. I will totally take it. I will take it. But um, they're looking for like that type of fashion. That's a very preppy. Yeah, it's coming back. See, I was more Lord. I was more of the um, Denise slash Cree Summer. Cree Summer had some cool stuff. I was that was yeah. that was more my my. Freddie had some. Yeah, had, some boho. It was dope, but it was very boho. Yes. It was very yeah. That's what I yeah. was most attracted to. Yeah. I, th- those two were my favorites. Yeah. Whitley kind of annoyed Whitley. me. I just loved Whitley. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, yeah, you time, so I mean, you know. Because of course you were. Yeah. <laughs> that so doesn't shock me in any way, shape, or form. So was, Lily and I had some things in common, <laughs> and Denise and I had some things in common. I'm like that Blondie song, you know, when you met me at the restaurant, <laughs> you could tell I was no <laughs> debutante. <laughs> so yeah, so I had customers coming in who had younger, the young, younger people who had discovered a different world and were fascinated by the fashion. And we're also fascinated by the friendships that the characters had on the show. Interesting, interesting. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of young African-American people, I'm sure they know who the cast of A Different World. I'm not going to say everybody. Right, yeah, a lot right. Of them do. Yeah, but, because even though with the Kazi situation, that's another podcast. Mm -hmm. um, a Different World, I do believe, is still, still being shown. And it's... I. It really was separate from the Cosby Show. I mean, I mean, it was Denise going off to do her thing. Yeah, yeah. And then she kept moved back home, but the yeah. character still lived on. And I kind of actually, maybe because I was older, but I preferred a different world yeah. to the Cosby yeah. Show because because it, it was stuff that was happening and stuff that every teenager could relate to when you go when you move from home, and you have to build like a whole different friendship basis when yeah. you go to school. And you have like a different family base because they become your family because your family's not there. Right. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a story that lives on for like for everybody. And if you go to an HBCU, what it's like to be a part of a college where there's where it's predominantly African American. So yeah. So. Um. So so those kids who have watched a different world, I guess, went on to see Harlem Nights and yeah. knew yeah. knew who Jasmine, Jasmine Guy, Guy was. was. Um, I remember watching and think now I wasn't a complete idiot. I knew that that voice in a different world was put on, mm -hmm. but it was still a little like, oh, that's what her voice sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, it's a, it's a little deeper. And which is hilarious because <laughs> I've seen videos where. Jasmine guy, like people would ask her questions about Whitley Gilbert and she was like, You just y'all just won't let that bitch die. <laughs> y'all just let that she just is still there and you keep asking me questions about Whitley Gilbert. That was nineteen eighty, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's an iconic character for a yeah. lot of people. And yeah. it's a character that a lot of people grew up with. Yeah. So she said it jokingly, but you know, if you've gone on to do other things and that's you know, like people are like, so what do you think Whitley's doing now? She's like, I don't know. She doesn't exist. She's it's not a, a real person. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. people watch a different world. They know who Jasmine Guy is, and they would know who Dominique Larue is. And again, because of her clothing, it's insane. And I, I, I loved in. I actually, while I think we can all agree that Harlem Nights is not like a great movie by any means, there are some really good moments in it, I think. Yeah. And there's some hilarious moments. And I, I'm trying to remember who it was. I want to say, I think it was Red Fox, who's like... Where you have the glasses on. When he says, LaRue, it's like, well, how'd she get... How's, it's like, how a black girl named Dominic LaRue? And it's, 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 and she's like, and he's like, she's Creole. Right, my lines from that movie that people like still quote to each other to this day. She's Creole. Oh, stay away from those Creole yeah. girls. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a fun movie if you don't go into it expecting like, I mean, it's, you it know, it is what it is. It's fun. It's fun. And it's I fun honestly, and I honestly think, you know, given who Eddie Murphy is and was at the time, the fact that he even attempted to direct right. a movie, and it's, it's still around. You know, it's not for someone who's like a, basically starts life as a stand-up comedian. Right. Um, for that to be his first movie, you know. It, it could be a lot worse. It could be a lot better. It could be a lot worse. And 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 he, you know, like you said, the fact that he chose an era that is not portrayed often um, and, you know, portrayed African-American people not as, you know, it's the depression is going on. Right. But these people are clearly not affected. affected. 
You know, I think they're affected, but they're doing what they have to do in order to get what they need. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so I, 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 I forgot about the fringe on the the belt of a robe that uh, Richard Pryor is wearing. Sweet Jesus, I'm like, why is this man wearing a robe with fringe on the belt? Like, what the heck? Stuff like that. I love stuff like that. It's details. It's details. I love it. And the costume designer for Harlem Nights, the detail is is just crazy. Um, and and I think that's something that runs through. Actually, all three all movies. Because I love little details. It is details, yeah. detailing yeah. like that. Um, so, anyway, any uh, final thoughts on, on Harlem Nights? No, this was fun. I was really nervous to sit down and do this, but it turned out to be fun because once I started talking, it came fun. <laughs> Especially about stuff I like. Exactly. So, yeah, this is good. Well, I want to thank you, Ramona. And thank you. Do you um, an IG or website or anything that you'd like I people do. to follow? I actually have an Instagram called Flossy Suitcase. I also have a Facebook called Flossy Suitcase. If you are coming to visit the Detroit area, which you should, which you should, I have hooked up with Airbnb to do a Detroit experience where I take people around to uh, different vintage stores to meet the owners and so they can shop and everything, so. That's so cool. I know. I mean, I live here and I want to do that tour. I'm I'm excited about it. uh, I think our first booking is September 22nd, so I'm excited. I might just piggyback on it because I just want to (laughs) go. So if you're looking for the Detroit experience, go to Airbnb and it's called shopping, vintage shopping with the pro. So yeah. All right, thank you. And uh, this has been an awesome discussion. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> thank you for listening to The Real Woman. I'm your host, Emmanuel Perryman. Please join me next week when I discuss the connection between horror and comedy, focusing on movies like Cabin in the Woods and Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. My guest for that episode will be my friend Jason Zumwalt. You might recognize his voice as the voice of Roman Bellick in Grand Theft Auto 4, but he's also a screenwriter, having co-written the dramatic thriller Urge and the 2016 independent film Flock of Dudes. He's also a writer on the Netflix series The Ranch. So join me next week as we discuss horror and comedy. Good night.